Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Janice Tunnell, for today, Sunday, March 26th. Thank you guys for tuning in. I uh, just want to remind everyone, if you have a comment or a question for us or for our guest tonight, please give us a call at 914-803-4399. Again, that number is 914-803-4399. You can also um, join us via Twitter, and I believe Denise is going to be out there on Twitter and she can give you some more information about that as well. We are excited about tonight's guest, so I'm going to turn it over to Denise so we can get started. Good evening, good evening, good evening, everyone. Again, once again, welcome to Beauty Talk. Happy to have you all uh, here with us tonight. And as Denise stated, I'll be out on Twitter taking your questions, reading your comments, so you can uh, go to uh, beauty underscore talk. That's where we'll be hanging out tonight, and you can leave um, your comment or question with the hashtag BeautyTalk. All right. Thank you for those who are joining us via the phone line, um, and thank you for those who will listen to this show um, via the playback. We greatly appreciate you all's support. I'm ready to bring my ladybug on the line, so let's just jump right to it. Patanda! Hi, ladybugs. Hi. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's been forever. I know, I know. I think the last time yes, we saw has. you was in New, New York. York. Back in, in 2019, I believe. On our yeah, birthday, we were eating chicken. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> chicken and waffles at Sweet Kicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the last time. But of course, yeah. I see you guys all the time on social media. So, yeah. Thank God for social media these days. Thank God for yes. social media. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, I am excited to have you on the line with us. So, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we're just gonna jump right in. So, <laughs> I know you. I know you've been on the uh, on the show with us before, but that's been years ago. Um, so you may have to just reintroduce yourself to our listening audience and just um, tell us a little bit about what inspired you to become a hairstylist. All right. Well, thank you, ladies, so much for having me back. I was super excited to get um, the the email and the request, so I'm happy to be here. I, um, oh, gosh, it's such a story. <laughs> <laughs> but um, let's see if I can give the short version of the story. So um, first of all, my name is Katanda James. I am a licensed cosmetologist. Um, I, I I have, like, this passion for curly hair. I'm a curly girl myself. Um, I also um, have a passion for makeup. I have passion for educating on product knowledge and doing product testing and all the behind the scenes things. But um, I've had the, the opportunities and I've been very blessed to really, um, I would say, like uh, get the opportunity to work in various aspects of the industry. So when I started as 
a hairstylist, um, I was inspired when I was a young girl. My mom was, um, she was in cosmetology school. Of course, I had my dolls like everyone else, but she used to bring home the big-headed dolls with no body. So she used to bring home her mannequins. And that was, like, super, super intriguing for me because I'm like, oh, wow, like, here's a doll, but she doesn't have a body, but she has a big old head and a lot of hair. So I actually started playing on my mom's mannequins. Um, She would actually sometimes take me to cosmetology school with her. So I got the opportunity to get, like, in the classroom setting. Um, She went to night school. So um, I was not skipping regular school, you guys, because cosmetology school (laughs) with my mom. But um, so I would go there with her, and it was just really, really fun for me. Um, It was something that I had always um, had the interest in. So to really get in there and to see, like, all of those mannequins and they were doing all these styles and cutting and finger waves and all this stuff, um, it just really, really kind of, like, actually – gave me more of a passion for it. So I started when I was a little girl in that way. But I also, um, once I got older, I went to cosmetology school in high school in a vocational program. So I always knew that I would be doing something in the beauty beauty realm, but I wasn't for sure, like, (laughs) how would it all play out? So, um, I was the little girl that went to school and did all the little girls' makeup because my mom, being the beauty, you know, advocate and the beauty enthusiast that she was, she allowed me to wear eyeliner when I was in junior high school. So look at there. (laughs) So that's where the cat eyes thing comes from. I've been wearing cat eyes, like, for a very long time. So all the other girls would, would go into gym class you know, do our thing in gym, and then, you know, you have to freshen up, you're all sweaty. I would be doing, you know, touching up my eyeliner, and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, can you do mine, can you do mine? They probably got in a lot of trouble when they went home, but that wasn't my problem. I was just being a good friend and showing them how to do great makeup. (laughs) So that was another way. (laughs) That was another way that I was able to get my hands in there, like, at an early age but post high school, um, I went to Dudley Cosmetology University, and for all of you um, beauty people out there, I'm sure you're familiar with that. Um, it was like the best school of all schools for cosmetology to go to um, if you were, you know, if you wanted to get into the full program. Um, a lot of people, you know, we have esthetician school, we have um, school for where you want to be a nail tech. They used to have, I think, in some states, they used to have makeup school, and then you would go for your makeup license. But for cosmetology, Dudley Cosmetology University in Kernersville, North Carolina, was the best school. So I got the opportunity to go there because when I was in school in little Kalamazoo, Michigan, I wasn't really learning anything. I got bored. I became a beauty school dropout. Yes, y'all. I was a beauty school dropout, believe it or not. And I, it's been with me all my life. But I dropped out back in the day. So, you know, things, things do change. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Everyone's shocked when I tell them that. But um, so, yeah, I went there and I finished my hours there, got my, um, my uh, actually we got degrees there um, for cosmetology. So they took it a little step further. Um, giving you your diploma, but we got our actual degree there, and then I went on to state boards and became a licensed cosmetologist. So that's the beginning of everything. (laughs) Um, I've been in the industry since then. Um, It's been 30 years now. Um, And gosh, I can't believe it because some days I feel like I'm just starting again. Wow, <laughs> but that's but that's the um that's sort of like um I, I feel like that's the glory of being in the beauty industry because it's forever changing and you can always mm-hmm. reinvent yourself and do new things and there's so much to do like I don't think one within you know just one career or one person can touch all of the things that um you know there is out there to do in the beauty realm so. I 
feel very fortunate to have had all of the opportunities that I've had in different settings, different avenues on the business side, on the artistry side, behind the chair, um, on set work and all that kind of stuff. So I, I was very fortunate and very, um, I feel very grateful for having those opportunities. So that's how I started in a nutshell. Um, I don't know. I can go on and on and on, but I'm sure you guys want to get to other things. So <laughs> I'll stop there. <laughs> what did we ask you? Oh, okay. Go ahead. No, I just wanted to know. I just really wanted to know, like, what was your experience like? Because you said you went to, like, a vocational school, so you took the cosmetology course. So what was that like? And compare that to when you were at Dudley's. Oh, my gosh. So keep in mind, I was in high school. So I am, um, like you guys, I am a November baby. So I went to school really early. Um, And so when I went to cosmetology school in the vocational program, I was only, we were in the 10th grade. And so beginning of the 10th grade, I was only 14. Everyone else was like 15 turning 16. I was 14 turning 15. So with the vocational program, I went to high school like in the morning for half a day, and then we caught the bus and traveled to the beauty school um, for the latter part of the day. But mind you, high school, people typically get out. I think the kids typically, we got out like at 2.30 p.m. Well, with the cosmetology program, we had to go all the way until like 5.30 because we were in that program and that that was like the, I guess, the part-time hours that they had for like the regular students, also known as the adults, but we were on that schedule too. So how was it? (laughs) It was very challenging because it, it required you to be a lot more responsible, I guess I could say, Um, a lot more disciplined. And I'll tell you, I skipped a lot of days of cosmetology school in the vocational program (laughs) because I'm like, I have to go to school. I have to be there at like 7.15, you know, regular school. And then I'm at cosmetology school all the way until 5.30 p.m. This is like, I'm not an adult. This is like a full-time job. So it became very challenging for me. It was fun. I loved it. But then after a while, because we would, um, the program was for two years. So we would have had to be in the program from the 10th grade to the 12th grade. And, you know, senior year, you got all this fun stuff going on. And when you're in 10th grade, you learn how to drive. And everyone's out driving around while you're in cosmetology school doing state board sets. Um, <laughs> it, it was very interesting for, for being so young. Um, I'm happy that I did it because it allowed me to try it out to see if, you know, kind of this is really what you want to do. But then it also taught me at a very young age what this career would require, which is a lot of hours and a lot of hard work, a lot of standing on your feet, a lot of, like, all of that. So, yeah. So in a nutshell, it was a lot. It was just a lot for somebody who was, it was a lot. you know, yeah, experiencing high school and then added that on top. It was just a lot. It was a lot. It it it's um and I was a pretty mature um, high schooler, but just mm-hmm. for that age, um, again, I was like uh, a lot younger than the other people that were in the program. It was just a lot. It was a huge responsibility. And, again, those hours, and back when I was in high school, I was not a morning person, so I used to struggle getting up in the morning. But then, you know, you look forward to your last class, and you're like, woo, we got to school at 2.30. Well, not in cosmetology school. you <laughs> got three more right. hours to go after everyone else is out of class. So it, it was a lot. It really was. It was a lot. Um, the other thing is I – so I finished – like most, so I had finished most of my credits for regular high school. Um, so when I got into the second year of the program, I only had two classes that I needed to take at regular high school. 
But I mm-hmm. had to, I was obligated to take three because then if I didn't take that third class, even with the vocational program, I was considered like not a full-time student. So I ended up taking study hall. <laughs> and so that gave me like the ability to like leave school during that hour. But then I had to find my own way to cosmetology school. Because my mom's like, no, you're going to catch that bus from high school. So I don't know why you took study hall. I guess you go in there, you do your homework. Well, I didn't really have homework because I was like, had pretty much did all of the hard classes. That's why I only needed two two, um, actual classes. And then I took study hall Mm -hmm. to kind of pass the time. But it just made it, it was like, it wasn't a good idea because it gave me too much time before I had to hop the bus and go to cosmetology school. So, you know, you get home. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like you go home, you unwind. You don't really want to go back out and do anything, so that's what it did for me. Um, so I struggled that second year, and that's when I became the beauty school dropout. <laughs> <laughs> but at, at Dudley's, though, that was more like college, so you were you, you were probably more focused there because yeah. that's all it was. So at Dudley, it was more like college. They were on you. Furthermore, I'm from Michigan, and I had to um, go to North Carolina to the school, and I was there by myself. At the time that I went, they no longer had the dorms for the cosmetology program, so you had to have an apartment and all this stuff. So it was like a huge responsibility again, but then I was older, and I knew this is what I wanted to do. At this point, I had since Oh, my gosh, you guys, I have such an interesting story. <laughs> I had spent, dropped out of college, regular college, because I went to Michigan State University after high school because my parents were like, um, yeah, we don't know how. You already dropped out of beauty school. We don't know how that's going to work out for you. So you're going to college, getting out of this house, and you're going to college, and you're going to do something with your life. So that's what happened. Well, I I was a mess in college, you guys. I went to my creative writing class, and still to this day, I'm a writer. Um, I do it, you know, for work um, as my side hustle, sort of, but I also do it um, just for fun, for therapy. So I went to my creative writing class. I went to my aerobics class because I had to have, like, a phys ed class. <laughs> and, um, again, we're all still working out, so that's all relevant to my life still. Um, and I went to my biology lab. Like, I would skip the lecture, but I would go to the lab because, you know, my hands and the science and all that, which I'm still very much part of today. So that's how that went. But the other portion of the day, I was booking hair clients in my dorm room doing hair (laughs) when I'm supposed to be at class. (laughs) So, yeah, that's how that went. And that's when I was like, okay, you know what? I am going to find a school that I can actually learn, that I'm not actually teaching the instructors. Because the first school when I was in high school, again, from a very small town, Kalamazoo, Michigan, like these instructors, uh, I appreciate them for what they did and who they were. But – they didn't know anything. And so I was teaching them, like I was teaching them how to properly apply the relaxer. I was teaching them and my, um, you know, classmates, which were also my um, schoolmates, how to do extensions. And it, it was just, so I got bored. And, you know, us creatives, we get bored very easily. We always want uh, a good challenge. We're, we're always up for a good challenge. We love learning new things. So that was the thing that happened for me at Dudley. Um, They were very strict, and I appreciate that still to this day. A lot of the business acumen that I learned at Dudley way back then, I still implement in my business today. Like, I could hear Mr. Dudley's voice ringing in my head, and I'm like, Sonda, now you know. You better do X, Y, and Z because you need to get this outcome. So that's what happened at Dudley. Now, mind you, we, we used to try to skip class there and go to the college, you know, North Carolina AT&T and all that. But now, you know, it's, um, they were very strict. They would, they would come looking for you. Actually, I hadn't, I'll never forget. I love her to death. Mrs. Jackson, (laughs) she would come looking for us. She would come to our apartment. If we decided that we didn't want to go, we didn't call in, you know, we weren't sick. 
she would come and get us. And so this is, they were, they were very, very, um, Mr. Dudley, how can I say, Mr. Dudley dedicated his life to building beauty professionals. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people that graduated from any of the Dudley um, cosmetology schools are very well known to this day. They're amazing, awesome hairstylists. Like, you cannot get, I don't even know where people go to cosmetology school these days because that was like the best schooling you could ever get, Um, especially for black hair because still like a lot of um, places today, you don't really get the training on textured hair. And that's all we had. And every week we would have um, a hair show. (laughs) So they called it competition. And so you had to compete. Every single Friday we had this hair show. And, um, like, they, it was a room, but they called it, like, the auditorium. So we would have this hair show, and you would, if you were still um, in class and not on the floor, you would do your mannequin for this hair show. And, I mean, we would do some crazy things to this hair show these mannequins as if it was like a real hair show like say hair shows that you go to today like some of the yeah. people this this was never my thing but you know the Detroit hair the flying helicopters off the hair but like all of that was going on in cosmetology school so absolutely amazing like I, I it, it, my training there was priceless and it's really 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 um, I credit it to like just who I am today and doing what I'm doing now because of it. It was the best. That's an amazing story. Yeah. It really is. It's an amazing story. And I've heard that about that that school where, you know, they were kind of very strict. Did you all have curfews? We had curfews. Um, That's what I heard. So uh, I'm thinking that – so the way that it works is the majority of the people lived in the apartments, but I think they had still at this time some of the dorm rooms. So there were curfews. Um, if you were late, it was like, I would say even more strict than a job. Like you were in big trouble if you were late. I don't care what your excuse oh, wow. was. I had a flat tire. I had whatever. <laughs> like you were in some serious trouble. And of course, they wouldn't punish you. I mean, you would have to do some extra practicals, which helped you out in the long run because now you're getting more practice on something as part of your discipline. <laughs> it helps you out in the long run. But, of course, back then or, like, when you're in the school, you're not thinking that. You're like, oh, gosh, why do I have to do this? This is, like, torture. But now you have, I don't know, 25 more practicals than what you actually need before you go to state board. So you're practicing. Um, but, yeah, they were – and I don't know if strict is really the word for it, but I, I just feel like they were very, very serious about what they were doing, and they wanted you to leave that place with all of the tools that you needed to be out in the professional world. And, that, and that's what happened. Like, I still talk to – a lot of the, the people that I was in school with back then, like I still talk to, to a lot of them, if not in real life, but um, on social media as well. So Nice. Wow. Yeah. Well, I can just listen to your story. I know how important um, school is. But I, we talked to a hairstylist last um, week, and I just wanted to know from you, like, how important, because you eventually figured it out, but how important mm-hmm. is an education for um, for hairstylists? And then not only that, you know, we've heard stories from so many um, people going to cosmetology schools these days, and they're talking about, you know, the, how bad the schools are, and you see all these different <laughs> reports about some of these schools and the licenses mm-hmm. and all of this stuff. How important is it to actually do the research to find a great school and then just just getting the education? Because, you know, a lot of, as we know, a lot of people know, just know how to do hair. 
But mm-hmm. how important is that education, in your opinion? It is extremely important. Um, because I tell you, when I first walked into cosmetology school, I knew how to do hair. But when we picked up <laughs> that textbook and got into theory and anatomy, I didn't know much of what they were talking about because they didn't teach this type of science in regular, like, high school. So that's a, that's a very theory, anatomy, um, chemistry, that, that's, that's who you are as a hairstylist. So anatomy, you would never think, but when you're sitting your client at the shampoo bowl, you have to know your anatomy because, you know, you have to know how to massage her scalp. You have to know what mm-hmm. pressure points to hit and what not to. You have to know, you know, what's going to make the, the client relax and what's going to, you know, not make her relax. You know, if you lift her head the wrong way or this or that. So it's a lot of anatomy, a lot of theory, theory and just being like the reason why. Like theory being the structure of the hair. <laughs> theory, like you have to know all of the stuff to really be, I wouldn't say to be a great artist because we're naturally artists. Like you're born, you know, artists are typically born with their gift to create whatever they create, whether it's on a canvas, whether it's on a head of hair, whether it's on, I don't know, um, the lawn outside, you know, you, it, it's, you're actually born with that, I believe. But when it comes to hair, and even me having, being a, a makeup artist, yeah, we have to know skincare. You guys know this. We have to know skincare, but it's a little less, um, what do I want to say? It's a little less risky because you're actually putting chemicals on the hair. Like, yeah, you can put a, a, a moisturizer on someone's face. They can have allergic reaction. That's risky. But you put a relaxer in someone's hair and you put it on their scalp or allow it to touch their scalp too soon, they're on fire. They're getting, um, they're bleeding from the scalp. They're going into shock. Like, <laughs> that really happens as a hairstylist. That could happen. Um, when you don't know your technique and when you don't know your theory and when you don't know the proper application, when you don't know the proper products to use, like a mild relaxer versus a super relaxer. Um, and I, you guys don't believe in super relaxers, but they're out there. So some people are still using them. Um, I just had to put that on the record. But uh, <laughs> I, but it, it's very important. I would advise anyone to go to cosmetology school, even if you're gonna, if you want to be an esthetician, if you want to be a nail tech, because that's where you learn the basics. Like when we're, I feel like when we are natural artists or naturally born hairstylists, we don't know the basics. We just know how to get to point A to point B. We know the end result. We know the style that we want, and we know how to build our way. It's like, you know, you're an architect. You build your way to that final style. But you have to know the basics. Without knowing the basics, you end up with clients that don't have healthy hair. Um, And that happens a lot with people that do protective styles. They may not necessarily know the basics. They, uh, because I think it's still um, a thing to I don't know if you're just called a braider or a natural hairstylist, but you don't have to have a license for that in a lot of states. But right. that can cause major issues because you see people, they have traction, alopecia, and no uh, edges because they had someone braiding or styling hair that didn't know the basics. Like, we know that too much tension at the hairline is going to, like, damage your hair follicle and probably permanently to a certain extent, if you're if it's if there's a lot of tension there, if you're doing things like or if the person is constantly getting this protective style, you're not letting them breathe anything. So the basics, like with everything, is the foundation. I would say, if I hadn't gone to cosmetology school, I would have never learned the basics on my own because I'm not going to pick up like a, a science book and 
say, oh, ah, I need to learn about the structure of the hair. Oh, hey, I need to learn how to, um, you know, for this particular haircut, I don't know what the occipital bone is. Does it go above the occipital bone or is it below the occipital bone? <laughs> like, there's a lot that you learn in cosmetology school. That is not necessarily the fun part, but right. at the end of the day and throughout your career, you are going to learn to appreciate those hours in cosmetology school where you're learning theory, anatomy, and chemistry. I guarantee it. So for right. me, it's very important. Also, um, not only cosmetology school, but there are some majors within universities that can actually help catapult your career as a cosmetologist as well. Like I, um, the work that I do now, I support marketing in brands and corporations. Well, if I had a marketing degree, I could, that, would, that would make me a lot more credible um, to right. people. And we can go toe-to-toe because now I have a marketing degree just like you do, but now I also have a cosmetology degree and you don't have that. So I know a lot of people that um, – <laughs> I know a lot of people that have either done it either way. They were um, – like a, a lady that I used to work with, love her to death, like she taught me and still teaches me so much. She's a chemist. But she's a cosmetic chemist, and in her work as a cosmetic chemist, she's like, oh, my gosh, I need to go to cosmetology school because I don't only need to know the chemistry side of it. I need to know the hair side of it. Like, I actually need to know hair. And so she mm-hmm. went back to and got her cosmetology license, and now she's like a triple threat because she has it all. And so it, it, it's just very important. School is very important. It doesn't matter what industry You don't necessarily have to go to a four-year college or go through a four-year program, but you need to get a skill. You need to get, I don't know, advanced training. Like, I still take advanced training courses. Things are forever changing in beauty, and you need to make sure that you're on top of technology and new techniques and things like that. So you're going to have to always keep going back to school for advanced training, um, YouTube University is out there. <laughs> so you always have that. Like, there's a lot. And school education is number one in everything. Like, it doesn't matter what you do. You need to be knowledgeable, and you need to always constantly educate yourself. And myself as an educator will tell you, you know, everyone that's listening, you need to get some education because otherwise as a hairstylist or as a makeup artist, you are not going to be able to educate like your clients or um, the people that are in your chair. And it's, it's just very important. And that's coming from the the beauty school dropout. (laughs) But I was only 14 at the time. (laughs) So before we get into this, curly hair discussion. Um, Tell us a little bit about CJ, the beauty group. Okay. So CJ, the beauty group um, is, so how can I describe it? Because people always ask me, what do you do? And that's sort of the same thing with CJ, the beauty group. So basically CJ, the beauty group is a beauty consulting firm. So mm-hmm. beauty consulting firm, meaning um, I work with brands and, um, you know, product lines and people, marketers and, you know, um, the chemists and the labs to help them bring their beauty vision to life. So whatever that means, they could be coming up with a new formula or they could, um, you know, they're reformulating a formula because now a particular ingredient is now on the blacklist. They have to reformulate, but we still need it to perform as it should, and it still needs to have the same functionality. Um, I also still work with the individual client, and again, I'm curly girl. You guys know this, but um, this whole—I don't know if I want to call it a movement because I've always been team curly hair, even when I was a behind, 
the chair stylist in the salon, a lot of my um, older clients, like way back then, and I'm talking in the 90s, I mm-hmm. still talk to a lot of them today. And they're like, oh, my God, you know, my natural curly hair. And I'm like, girl, I tried to tell you about those curls back in the 90s, and you didn't want to listen to me. <laughs> like, I literally used to have, like, heated debates with my clients in the chair because they were so brainwashed into, I need my relaxer every six weeks. Like, I cannot go an hour beyond the six-week mark without my relaxer. And so me being a person, like, don't get me wrong, I appreciate relaxers and what they're for. Everyone's not, like, the perfect candidate to have natural hair. I believe that that's true. Um, but for the most part, we were sort of brainwashed into thinking we needed relaxers. And so, and it was that six-week, it was always that six-week mark. Oh, my gosh, six weeks, I need my relaxer, I need my relaxer. It didn't matter if her hair grew a millimeter or not. (laughs) She needed that relaxer. So I, yeah, so it it was, um, I think it became more like mainstream um, when I was working at L'Oreal. So I started working um, at L'Oreal in the New York Technical Center. That's where we would do like product testing and development and all of that. Um, I started working there in 2014, and this is right when um, they had newly acquired Carol's Daughter. So it was sort of like a new thing for them to test these curly hair products or these natural hair products on these natural hair people. <laughs> and so I came in right at the the perfect time because I was there to help them come up with, like, the right way in testing products. Because when I got there, I was like, what in the world are you guys doing? (laughs) What is going on? Even when we would do um, testing for relaxers and uh, we did hair color testing, when it came to anything that dealt with, um, and I don't like to call it textured hair, but that's what is known in the industry as textured hair. Because us, cosmetologists that go to cosmetology school, we know that even straight hair is a texture. So calling curly hair textured hair is really not like you learn that in the basics. It's it's all texture. Mm-hmm. Straight hair, wavy hair, curly hair, or the curliest of curls. Those are all right. textures. But for it's all just for the lingo that we have out there, um, anytime we needed to to test products on textured hair or highly textured hair, I was just so confused because they were, like, clueless. But it got down to the fact that, just like in cosmetology school, if you don't work with other textures, you're only comfortable working with a certain texture, then you're not going to know how to do it. Like, it's like anything. You need to practice. We're, you know, black stylists grow up with black hair. We grow up doing black hair. So we're comfortable with it. We just know it. And since um, that is said to be, like, the the most challenging type of hair to do, which for me, hair is hair. It's, it's all made of the same thing. It doesn't matter how mm-hmm. it's shaped for me. Like, it's still hair, and I can work with it. Um, but we're, we're – this is what we do. So, But when other um, people of other, like, nationalities are doing black hair, they get so flustered. They're so – you know, nervous. There, <laughs> it's a lot going on. So I was able to help them come up with better ways of testing, um, and so that has become one of my greatest passions. Because when I was a stylist behind the chair, I just picked up the product like everybody else and said, "Oh, mm-hmm. this is going to smooth the hair. This is going to um, defrizz the hair. Oh, this is." And I picked up the product, used it on my client, and expected it to do what it said it was going to do. I never knew, like, all it takes to get to the formula to do what it's actually saying what it's going to do on this label. Like, it takes a lot. Sometimes we would test products 
for two years, three years, over and over again, new formulas, new formulas, new added ingredient here, new added ingredient there. Oh, well, we need to test it on a different type of hairstyle now. We need to... It's a lot, <laughs> but it's so interesting because you get the opportunity as the cosmetologist and the hairstylist to touch and feel the formula of the product before it even goes on the market. Like you have your hands in it. You've actually, you know, given your evaluation. So your feedback is an integral part of this product performing and doing well when it's launched. So, um, Within the consulting group, I offer product testing. I also do the curly hair coaching, and that's where I, and I don't know if she's watching but uh, or listening, but one of my um, clients, Mia, she actually coined me the curl coach. She's like, oh, my gosh, you're the curl coach. And I'm like, oh, that's, you know, that has a good ring to it. But what I um, do is I actually help people because, I'm sure you guys see on social media all the time. Everyone is so confused. Well, not everyone, but a lot of people are so confused as to how to manage their hair, how to style their hair, what products am I supposed to use for my hair, what yeah. products am I supposed to use for my curl type. Oh, my gosh, there's so much out there. Why would I go over here and buy this collection from Mayel when they have this collection over here for Vernon Francois and it's all for curls? But So people get really confused. And I understand it because it's overwhelming going into the store and you have now, thank God, we have a huge multicultural hair care section in the stores. Whereas it, yeah. it was never like that. <laughs> but there's so much to choose from now. I think people, <laughs> it's great that we have it, but I think it could possibly be a little more confusing because you have so much to choose from and you don't know which way to go. Um Everyone seems to have such a great marketing campaign, like, oh, my gosh, everything sounds so good. What, what am I going to do? So I actually help you to um, pretty much get down to the needs of your hair as an individual because no two curls are the same on my head of hair, on the next person's head of hair. Like, my hair is, people are like, oh, my gosh, you have dream hair. My, my, um, actually, my old uh, Mac trainer, she's now my friend, told me that the other day. Katana, you have dream hair. And I'm like, I don't have dream hair. Like, I struggle with this hair like everybody else. <laughs> and this, this is not the hair that I'd be dreaming of. But um, <laughs> you have to really get to learn your hair, and especially when you're wearing it natural, you have to learn your curls. You have to learn what your curls love. You have to learn what products you use on your hair because you have to, mm -hmm. you have, to have a regimen because everyone mm -hmm. doesn't have the same regimen. There's another thing that we need to learn, porosity, because some people think it's your curl type that determines what products you wear or what products are best for you. But I think it's a combination of a lot of things. And one of those things, very high at the top, is porosity levels. Because if you have high porosity hair, and your hair absorbs the moisture, but then it doesn't make, uh, retain it, that's a problem because your hair is always going to be dry. If you mm -hmm. have low porosity, your hair never absorbs anything. And then it's, it's like, so you have to learn your individual needs for your hair, your curls. I don't really think curl type, and this, now I can say this because I work for CJ, the beauty group, and for myself, and I'm my own boss. So now I can say this, you know, when you're working for other <laughs> brands and other lines, you have to be, you have to pick and choose your words wisely. Right. But the thing is, is I don't think that, curl type really matters at the end of the day. Okay. So a lot of people would probably challenge me to that. And I'm always up for a good challenge, so bring it on. But, no, seriously, um, because you can have 4C hair, but there could be someone with 4C hair that has, medium porosity, and they don't really have a problem with absorbing the moisture or hydrating the hair or retaining it. it it's great. 
but then they might have an issue with shrinkage because right. you know the curl pattern is already the curl pattern is already um, tighter. But then a lot, the other thing is is a lot of people don't understand that shrinkage means you have healthy hair because if your curls are right. limp and droopy, girl, it's not healthy hair. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's what curls are. Curls are springy and they're bouncy and they're, if you think of the slinky, that, that's what your curls should do. But if your curls are just laying there and droopy and limp, that's not healthy hair. So when your curls spring up and we call that shrinkage, that's a sign that you have healthy hair. Um, there's just so much. Curls are very, very, very complex. And Mm -hmm. I go in in this curl coaching session, and we really get down to it. Like, we have a full-on conversation about your curly hair and what you're doing and what are your concerns and what does frustrate you about your curly. It's it's like a curl therapy session. (laughs) Like, what frustrates you about your curls? What gives you anxiety about your curls? Oh, my gosh, how do you feel when you – do your wash day and then this happens and um and it is really really helpful because it, it's more like you have to have the blueprint to your specific curls like yeah we like to talk to our friends and oh my gosh you know I just got this new product and ooh I'm gonna go try it but just because your friend had a great experience with it and it worked for her and her curls does not necessarily mean it's gonna work for you but if it doesn't work for you that does not necessarily mean it's a bad product either you have to make sure that you're selecting products that are fit for you. And that's the other thing. People buy products when they have natural hair, and it didn't work for them. Like, oh, my gosh, that product is crappy. It, it's not necessarily crappy. It could just very well mean that it was not the, the right selection or the right product for you. So it gets very, very deep in that. Let me ask you. So mm-hmm. because, you know, this can be pricey you know, trying to find mm-hmm. the right product. So mm-hmm. what would you suggest if someone's out there trying to figure out, okay, what product, you know, you, you mentioned Myel and you mentioned, you know, just up different brands. What, mm-hmm. um, what would you suggest? So if somebody's going to go out there, where would you suggest they start? Do they go out and buy a shampoo and conditioner? Do they, um, or is there another product you would suggest they start off with just to see how it's going to work out for them. Because mm-hmm. some people go out and they buy the whole system, then go home mm-hmm. and they do this and find out this is not working. They've paid over mm-hmm. 50 bucks for everything, and now mm-hmm. they have to go out and find another brand. So where would you suggest they start? So that's a really great question, um, and people ask that question all the time. So the, the thing with um, – Shampoo. (laughs) I am a big, 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 big advocate for traditional shampoo. When I say traditional shampoo, I mean the shampoo that you pick up that you're going to put on your hair after you wet it in the shower, and you're going to get a little foam from it, which I know there's a lot of people that don't want this in their shampoo or that in their conditioner. No sulfates, no sulfates, no sulfates. But there are sulfates out there that are drying to your hair. You you just have to do your research and know what, you know, has great ingredients and what's not. Because that's the thing. So if you're if you're you're going to go for the more prestige or the, the products on the higher end, they typically are gonna have the better ingredients because that's why one of the reasons why the price point is higher because it costs a lot more to make the product. Um, mm-hmm. And then you can go to the lower end of it, and that's when you're going to have, you know, you can still get really good formulas from, like, lower-cost products, but the ingredients aren't going to be as good. But then I say that's relevant to the person because, ingredients is it's like a preference to people. Like I don't mind me even being like, you know, product tester and educator and all this stuff and a consumer myself, 
I'm like a huge product junkie. Like even before all of that, I was a huge product junkie. (laughs) I am a consumer. (laughs) But um, everyone has their own preference. Like I don't mind having the nose, the nose, the nose, the nose in my product. Yeah, I know a lot of times it could be damaging to the environment, our earth. It could be damaging even to our health. But like how many foods are we eating that are damaging to our health? And no one's saying anything about that. That's true. <laughs> like they're running That's the Trader Joe's and they're getting all the the food, you know, and the preservatives. Like I don't, I can probably count on one hand the number of people that I know personally that are raw eaters or what are they called, raw vegan. Uh-huh. I, I don't know the, the the technical term, but eating raw vegetables nobody's like that. Like it's a very small percentage of the world. So that's how I look at it with my, my products. Like, and that's with anything, body care, your makeup, your skincare. Like it's, I get it. We want clean beauty, but it's not for everyone. And Mm. I'm an, like, I like all beauty products. So I can have, I have some clean beauty over here. I have some that have all the things over here. I have some that no sulfates, no parabens, no, you know, I have that too. (laughs) But you have to find what works for you just like with, within your diet. Like we don't all eat the same and we all have our different preferences. Like I'm not a vegan, but I don't eat beef or pork. So it just, it's just, it just depends. And with curly hair, like you're saying, there's so many products. And you, a lot of times it is trial and error to get to the perfect regimen or to find the, per, the perfect product. And the other thing is a lot of times you go out and buy, you buy the full collection of this, you know, this new collection that drops. You buy everything from the start of the wash to the finish of the stylers. I'm not necessarily married to any one full-on collection. I don't do, like, I mix and match. (laughs) I'm a mix Mm -hmm, and matcher. mm -hmm. Because even though most of the time the products are tested, like, within a collection, those products are tested to go together, and they perform better when you use them all together, that's, that's a proven fact. But the styler that's within that collection may not be the styler that's for you. So, yeah, it's going to work better because it has all the same ingredients, all the key call-outs, all the, you know, same benefits. But I'm a person, I use a curl cream, and this collection only has a gel. So what am I going to do? I'm going to go and find a curl cream from another collection (laughs) and throw it in there. (laughs) So it just depends. I I suggest you start with – First, I think you should do your research. So, like I said, there's YouTube University. There is, like, a lot of education online you can find. You can start, like, go to your favorite brands and start Googling their, um, you know, searching within their website the ingredients or what the benefits are for certain collections and certain products. Or you can hire yourself a curl coach like me, and I would do that all for you. Right. Um, and that's what I did for Mia. And she, Mia, oh, my gosh, she never fails to tell me. Like, anybody that I do the curl coaching session with, and she, I think she started with, like, an hour coaching session. I talked to her literally all night. Like, that's how much I love what I do. I'm passionate about what I do. Like, I will talk all things beauty all night long if you let me. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We had a really great conversation, but the other thing is, is when you do all of this research and you do, um, you know, hire your curl coaching um, session person, and you are watching YouTube—not so much YouTube, but a lot of those people are—they are not professional. But you can get some consumer insight and advice from YouTube, and that's, you know pretty much like the reviews that you find online. You just have it in a video on YouTube. But the thing is, is um, when you get this advice from your hairstylers or your curl coach or whomever the person is, you have to implement it and you have to follow the instructions. It's like a lot of times when you go to the store and you buy your products, 
there is a what we call a romance copy that tells you about the products. There is um, application instructions that just shows you how to use the product. And then there's also like um, a little section that tells you the benefits of the product. Or we might even tell you on there what this product works best with within that brand. People do not read those directions. <laughs> right. They don't read how to apply it. We tell you to apply a quarter size, and I'm just using this because we know most curly hair, you need more than curly size. We probably would tell you like an ample amount. But just for the sake of the, 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 the um, lesson here, we tell you to use quarter size, and you go in there and you use a pin drop size. Okay. How is that product going to work? when you didn't even use it the way that we advise you to use it. And, again, that all goes back to testing. Like, those directions are there for a reason because those that's how these products have been tested and that's how they've been proven. Efficacy of the product has been proven in the way that it's been tested. So if you go in there and do your own thing with it, I mean, by any means, I'm, you know, I encourage you mixologists and encourage you, let me just do it this my way sort of people. But when it doesn't work like you want it to work and it doesn't perform as, you know, it's supposed to perform, you have to look back at yourself and say, hey, did I really use it as I should have used it? So I would also, yeah, I, I encourage people to read the directions and the instructions and follow those. That's like you're using, I don't know, uh skincare, and it tells you, to, and you just slather all this on your face. It's not going to absorb because, like, you don't need a whole mound full of serum. <laughs> like, you right. really need a little bit. And, and that's the thing. People do not read the instructions, or they, don't, they, they read them and they don't follow them. And that's going to actually, um, it's going to actually be a hindrance to the performance of products and, and the results that you get. So that's like also with, um, so with curly hair, we do a lot of layering sometimes. And now you're, again, you're becoming a mixologist or a chemist. You don't necessarily know if these products are going to work well together. You can layer some things and they curdle on your hair. And now you have to go out to, I don't know, it's the love of your life and you're going on a date and you have flakes in your hair because you laid the product, didn't follow the instructions, and you use too much of this, too much of that, and now you have flakes in your hair going on a date. <laughs> Sometimes we just do too much with curly hair because we think it is so complex, but I promise you, if you find what works for your hair, your curls, and if you stick with a regimen, like if you find something that works, just stick with it until it doesn't work anymore because that, that will right. happen too. But as long as it works, if it's not broke, don't fix it. So just do that, and you don't have to spend nine hours on a Sunday doing your wash day. Like nobody's hair should take forever in a day to shampoo. Like I don't care what kind of hair you have. <laughs> and people, we don't right. have the time to spend – all this time during our wash day. Like, I know we make it a whole thing. It's cool to talk about all social media. It seems fun, but literally when you talk about it in that way, everyone's dreading wash day, like for real. So right. let's find what works. Let's get a regimen and let's do, you know, what needs to be done to keep our curls popping, but we don't have to do all the extra. Exactly. Well, you know, I, there's so much more that I want to talk about, and um, um, I, I definitely want to get into ingredients a little bit more, but we have run mm-hmm. out of time. So my question to you is, can you come back next? Sure, I can. Well, I would love to. I just told you yes. I would talk to you about this stuff, like literally <laughs> – and then I, sometimes I'm thinking, like, so people are like, no, it's good. Give us more. <laughs> and I, I just, it's just so much. It's so much. Um, I would love to come back next week to, yeah, to, I don't know, whatever you guys want to talk about. We can get into ingredients. We can yeah, get we can. into 
the process of testing, because sometimes people, and this is the other thing, and I don't know if this is too, you know, controversial or not, but I have worked for so many brands. And when I tell you, I guess I could say I can only speak from the brands that I've worked for. Um, But I know we get so stuck on these, you know, oh, my gosh, this brand is no longer black-owned, and I don't want to use it anymore. It's going to be horrible. You guys have to give the founders some grace because, first of all, the goal is to scale up and get your money. (laughs) The other thing is to scale up and continue to make amazing products because even though you sold this, this, this brand and sold your company to a newer company that's not necessarily black-owned, this is still your baby, and this still has your stamp of approval, and your name is going to be attached to this forever. So the, the founders and the owners, the creators, their goal is never to, like, sell you a lesser of a product because they sold their company. They still want to give you the best of the best. And a lot of them still stick around um, in the company, and they have, like, leading roles in the company to ensure that the product is doing what it does. But then there's a whole other side that comes with scaling your product up. If I'm making 10 products a week in my kitchen and now I need to make a 1,000, like things are going to change. It's like you make your cake. You're making a cake for eight people, but now you're going to make a cake for a wedding of 300 people. Honey, your cake recipe is not going to stay the same. Just like your hair product recipe is not going to stay the same. The ingredients are going to stay the same, but some things are going to have to change because you're scaling up. So I don't know if you want to get into that, but that's just like one of my passions as well, me being on the other side. I used to be that person. Oh, my gosh, I'm no longer black-owned, but I get it. Like there's a whole different thing that goes on when you scale up. And I just gave the best example. You're making cakes. You're going to have to well, change you know what? it. You're not going to be that able is, to feed eight people with, you know, a, 300 people yeah. with their eight cake recipe. Eight people. Because I've said you it, know? I've said so. it more recently. So, yeah, that is something we can touch on next week. I definitely want to talk about that. I want to get a little bit more into the ingredients because you just talked about, you know, like the different products. Like you have them all. You have the ones where there's no parabens and there's no this and no that. And then you have ones that have it all mm-hmm. in it. Um, so mm-hmm. we'll a little bit more more into that, and then yeah, let's talk about the process of um, how you're how to test out these products to see what works best for you. Yes. All right. Well, I we think that would be now. really yeah. We got a plan. That's going to be fun. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, thank you so much. We really appreciate you joining us um, tonight, and we'll come back next week, yeah. same time, and continue the conversation. Yes. Thank you guys so much. Have a wonderful evening. And actually, right. I was giving the cake um, analogy because I'm actually about to make a cake, but uh, <laughs> it, it worked really well. <laughs> yes. So let me get off and make my cake, and then we will continue next week. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Thank you, Ladybug. You're <laughs> welcome, Ladybug. <laughs> All right, talk to you later. Okay. All righty, bye. Oh, good All night. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Good night. Good night. A big thank you to Ms. Katanda James. Um, she will be back next week with, um, we're going to continue the same conversation. There's so many more questions that I have, but, um, can't get them all in, so we will continue next week. Um, she brought up a lot of great points that I wanted to touch on a little bit more, so we'll do that again next week at 8 p.m. Y'all, we're going to do 8 p.m. for a little while longer um, because it just works out perfectly with this new schedule. So um, we're going to continue to do 8 p.m. for those of you who are listening. Um, so have a wonderful evening and have a beautiful and blessed week, everybody. Good night. Good night.